chapters one, two, and three. And today, Lord, hopefully from four and five, may your word just saturate our minds. May it change us. May it convert us, Lord. May it transform us into your image and into your likeness, Lord. We thank you, and Lord, we ask this morning that you be glorified and your people be edified. We give you honor and praise. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Praise God. We're excited about Revelation. We are learning. And let me just ask you this. I don't want you to answer verbally, but you can raise your hand or put up a, 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 an icon on your display. How many of you feel less intimidated by the book of Revelation now that we are three chapters in, nine weeks later? Do you feel less intimidated by this quote unquote mysterious book than you did two months ago? Anyone? Amen. Amen. I know I do. I feel much less intimidated by revelation. I'm not afraid of it. It doesn't scare me. I'm not worried about the doom and gloom. Matter of fact, today I'm just excited. I'm excited because we get this, this glimpse into heaven in chapters four and five of what will be going on in heaven and perhaps what is going on in heaven right now. And we can look forward to that. We can look forward to this rejoicing, as Rick saying, giving God all of our worship, enjoying his presence, throwing our crowns before him and crying out, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God almighty. I'm just really excited about that. Let's just before we jump into it, let me just give you three things that we learned last week. Three things that we learned last Sunday from the church of Laodicea. Number one was we could pretty much decided in the Christian life there's perhaps three spiritual temperatures. There's a burning hot temperature. That's in Luke 24. Those men on the road to Emmaus, they said when they heard the word of God explained to them, did not our hearts burn within us in Luke 24. Then there's a cold heart that Matthew describes in 24. And then there's this lukewarm spirit that unfortunately seems to permeate throughout the church today in the 21st century. And that's, that's what we need to get rid of. We need to get on fire for the Lord and change our spiritual temperature. Whatever you need to do, whether it's fasting, more prayer, more Bible study, getting on our face before God, giving up our TV, giving up less time on Facebook and Twitter, giving up less time in recreation and, and, and leisure, and spending more time before the face of God, letting him have dominion in our lives. That's how we transform our temperature from lukewarm to hot. I also talked about in this little mini series on Laodicea, what it says here regarding that the Lord wants to um, change our vision so that our eyes will see. I spent last week talking about how Elijah, Elijah I'm sorry, Elisha with an S, prayed that God would open the eyes of his servant so that he would see the horses and chariots of fire round about the Syrians that were surrounded by the angels of the Lord. And I hope that encouraged you to know that regardless of what you're going through, regardless of your present circumstances, regardless of the persecution you might be enduring, regardless of the pain and suffering that you might be experiencing this day and the heartache and the headache, God has his army yes, of angels yes, surrounding you, yes. protecting you. He will not allow you to endure more than you can bear. Amen. What a mighty God we serve. He doesn't put us through stuff to see us squirm, to see us suffer. 
unnecessarily. He's not sadistic and hateful and just wants to see us fail. God never allows us to be in a position that we cannot be victorious. Greater is he that is in us, First John says, than he that is in the world. Amen. We can do all things, Philippians says, through Christ who strengthens us. The Lord gives us that presence of mind to know that he is in us and he will prevail. Finally, what I taught about last week in Revelation chapter three with the church of Laodicea was that the Lord says, look, I stand at the door and knock. The verb form of the word knock there is that the Lord just keeps knocking. He keeps knocking. He keeps seeking us. He keeps desiring that we would come to repentance, that we would come to salvation. It's not just a one and done, but God just keeps reaching out to us, drawing us, pulling us in, giving us chance after chance after chance after opportunity. The Lord doesn't stop with one time. He's always wishing and praying as it were not praying, but wanting us to come to repentance. I told you guys way back when we started this series in the book of Revelation, I said this book, you know, I was taking it from the book that Bishop Smith and I, I had the opportunity to co-author with him on enjoying Revelation. When I, when I was working with Bishop Smith, he really transformed my thinking when it came to Revelation because I had never thought about Revelation from the standpoint that you could actually enjoy this book. And when he titled the book, Enjoying Revelation, and asked me to be a research assistant for him, and I started digging into these 22 chapters. This was back in the 90s, ladies and gentlemen, in the 90s. We're talking like almost 30 years ago. That has stayed with me, and it has transformed my teaching because now whenever I come to a book in the Bible, from Genesis to Revelation, I'm always, listen, I'm always looking for the enjoyment factor joy, Jesus over you. I'm always looking for what can I extract from this that's going to bring me, going to elevate me, going to transform me closer to being like Jesus. That's the point of the Bible. It is Jesus' story. It is the story of God's redemption through his son, Jesus Christ. So everything we look at, we should observe through the lenses of how is this transforming me to think like Jesus, to look like Jesus, to act like Jesus. The book of Revelation is called the revelation of, wait for it, Jesus Christ. <laughs> That's the name of the book. We always have thought, I'm sure some of you have always thought that the book of Revelation is about revealing the future, revealing what's going to happen in the end times, revealing these mysterious beasts and creatures and elders and crowns and seas and stars and candlesticks. We've always thought it's been a book about mystery and the revelation of that mystery. It's not. I'm sorry to burst your bubble. The book of Revelation is about revealing Jesus Christ and all of his glory and all of his majesty and all of his sovereignty and all of his power. Woo, man, oh man. Hey, hang on, I need to walk away for a minute. Yes, yes, yes. Yes, Lord. Oh my goodness. 
I can't wait till April 3rd because this this preaching sitting down is just not who I am organically. This is just this is just this sitting down teaching is just unfortunately not in my DNA. Being a cat that's 67 years old, I've only been around preachers my whole life that have preached behind the podium or standing up in front because I just feel the power of the Lord. Yes, and it's yes, not anything yes, about yes. me. It's not anything yes, that I have. Yes. And there, I am nothing. But yes, when God. we speak, when we speak the word of God, when, when we invoke yes, his yes, word, yes, that yes. is where the power is. Yes, God. Yes, that God. is where the transforming might is. It's in God's word. It energizes us. Jeremiah tried to sit down. He tried to quit. He tried to resign. He said, I'm not cut out for this. I can't do this. This is not who I am. And he gave up, the, gave up his post and walked away. But the Bible says, The Bible says that when Jeremiah tried to sit down, it wasn't his power, it wasn't his might, it wasn't his articulation or eloquence. Jeremiah said that the word in me, the word in me, the word in me, I tried, to, I tried to sit down on God. I tried to sit down on his word. I tried to shut it down. I tried to cut it off. I tried to walk away. But he said, but, but he said it, it, it was like fire. It, it was like fire shut up in my bones. Can you imagine? I get squirmy when I just get too hot. If it's 75, 80, I'm in the sun. I'm looking for shade. I can't imagine what it would feel like fire in your bones and how you would just have to move. You would just have to go with that. You would have to respond to that. Yes. Jeremiah said, I couldn't do it. Yes. Yes. I couldn't walk away. Yes. 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 I'm sorry. I'm sorry, guys. I just... Yes, God. I'm going to reel it in. going to reel it in. And uh, let's just talk about this. Yes, this praise and worship in Revelation chapter 4 and chapter 5. I'm just going to read some excerpts and then I'm going to tie the two chapters together because I think there's an amazing, an amazing, amazing, amazing message here. Revelation chapter 4, verse 5 says, Out from the throne come flashes of lightning and sounds and the pearls of thunder, and there were seven lamps. A fire burning before the throne, which are the seven spirits of God. By the way, that says seven spirits of God. There's obviously a reference here to one spirit of God. These are seven. I put this in my notes and we talked about it before. This is the seven whole, sevenfold manifestation of God, which is outlined in Isaiah chapter 11, verse 2. So he says the seven spirits of God. And before the throne, there was something like a sea of glass, like crystal. And in the center and around the throne four living creatures full of eyes in front and behind. By the way, this sea of glass, if you wanted to uh, um, de deconstruct that, this sea of glass represents God's holiness, God's magnificence. These creatures with, with eyes all around represent omniscience, not omniscience, but it represents seeing and understanding and perceiving 
all that was around them. They're, they're uh, able to scrutinize and they were alert to everything that was in their presence. You can, you can extract that from Isaiah chapter 6, verse 2. And it goes on to say in verse 7, the first creature was like a lion, the second creature like a calf, the third creature had a face like that of a man, and the fourth creature, I'm in verse 7 of Revelation chapter 4, was like a flying eagle. And the four living creatures, each one of them had six wings. Um, this, this is imagery here. This is a picture of these, these animals and these creatures representing God's order of, of angelic beings. A seraphim is mentioned over in Ezekiel chapter 1 that gives you a little background on the uh, high order of the angels. And what the Lord is discussing here with these living creatures, and some translations say the four living beasts, He's talking about probably a high order of angels and angelic beings that God has to represent his creation. A lion representing uh, the, uh, the animal kingdom. Uh, a calf representing domesticated animals that are service animals. Uh, the man, the face like that of a man representing intelligence and God's highest form of creation. And then the flying eagle representing the flying uh, uh, animals in part in, of God's creation and their sovereignty and, and their spatial uh, coverage. And so he says on down in verse eight of Revelation chapter four, and the four living creatures, each one of them having six wings and full of eyes around and within all day and night, they do not cease to say, ready for this? Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God, the almighty who was and who is and who is to come. Translated, Pastor Will, that means the Lord has no beginning. He has no ending. He is the Alpha and the Omega. There is, there is no creation for him. There is no start because God has always been, always will be, always has been. It goes on to say in verse 9, And when the living creatures give glory and honor and thanks to him who sits on the throne to him who lives forever and ever. The 24 elders will fall down. By the way, who's the 24 elders, Pastor Will? It is my belief that the 24 elders represent the raptured saints, represent the believers that are in heaven at the time worshiping God. Those that have been caught up according to 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, according to 1 Corinthians chapter 15, those that have been extracted, caught away, snatched out of the earth at that great coming. And those are now before the throne, worshiping, praising. And you say, well, Pastor, well, how can you say that, dude? Are you really sure? Well, let me just tell you this. I've searched the book of Revelation. The word church is not mentioned anymore after Revelation chapter 3 until you get to the kingdom, the, uh, the eternal kingdom part, part where we are in heaven with God. The word bride is finally mentioned, the bride of Christ in chapter 20, but all the other chapters in between, the word church, bride, lamb of God, none of them are mentioned referring to the church because it is my belief that the church has been caught away sometime between chapters 3 and chapter 4 of Revelation, and now they are worshiping with the angelic chorus in heaven, praising God, Glory to God in the highest. And he's given this amazing picture of this praise and worship service where the elders, where we are casting our crowns before the throne for him who lives forever, it says. And the Bible says in verse 10 of Revelation 4, the 24 elders will fall down before him. Doesn't that take you back to where it says, every knee shall bow, 
every tongue yes. shall confess yes. <laughs> that Jesus Christ is Lord. It says to him who sits on the throne in verse 10 and will worship him who lives forever and ever, a la Rick's song, worship him, and will cast their crowns before the throne, saying, I love this in verse 11, worthy are you, O Lord and our God, to receive glory and honor and power, for you created all things, and because of you, your will, because of your will, they existed and were created. Isn't that amazing? Isn't that just, I just love that. Look, let's just jump over to chapter five of Revelation. Look at chapter five, verse six for the New American Standard. Revelation five, six continues this beautiful scene in heaven where everyone is worshiping God. Let me just say this before we read five, six. Isn't it amazing that we will cast our crown, whatever, whatever rewards, whatever accolades, whatever gifts we receive from God when we come to heaven, we will just take them and say, you know what? It is because of you, Lord. This belongs to you. I surrender this to you. I lay prostrate before you. I give this to you. This is my offering to you. Whatever I have, whatever I've done, whatever I've accomplished, whatever I've received, it belongs yes, and the yes, glory yes, belongs yes, to you yes, i worship yes, you i exalt Lord. you yes. i give you all yes, of my accolades yes. i give you yes. all of my rewards i give you yes, all of my God. crowns i'm God. nothing how yes. dare i stand before you puffed up and exalted with my crown and my halos and my no these belongs to you i surrender to you yes, God. It is because your will that I exist. It yes. is because of your will that I was created. Yes, God. Yes, Lord. Yes. Oh, Lord. Yes, God. I'm, I'm trying to get through this. <laughs> Thank you, I'm Lord. trying to get Thank through this because this Thank is just, I, I, you know what? I, I believe that worship is our highest expression of, 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 of coming before God. And, and, and informing him of, of how we feel about him. Yes, God. You're worthy, Lord. You're worthy. We were created to worship him. Yes, Even the angels worship him. Verse, verse 6 of, of Revelation chapter 5, And I saw between the throne with the four living creatures and the elders a lamb standing as if slain, having seven horns and seven eyes. By the way, when you see that expression, seven horns and seven eyes, seven is the, the number of perfection or the number of completion in scripture. And the seven horns represent perfect power. The seven eyes represent perfect wisdom or vision or scrutiny. And, and the seven spirits of the Lord represent his sevenfold manifestation. And if you look at Isaiah chapter 11, verse two, it goes into the sevenfold manifestation of God's spirit. And it just shows his completeness, his fullness, and how there's nothing else that needs to be added to it. So when you see seven prefacing a, a word or a name, it's describing its fullness and its completion and that it is self it, it, it's self-fulfilled. It's, it's completely fulfilled and there's nothing else to, to add to it. So he says in verse seven of Revelation chapter five, and he came and took the book out of the right hand of him who sat on the throne. 
when he had taken the book, and that's a capital H, this is Jesus, the four living creatures and the 24 elders fell down before the lamb. Those four living creatures or four living beasts, some translations, I believe they represent angelic beings. And I mentioned that before. They, they represent perhaps a higher order of angelic beings, perhaps seraphim. And you can look at that in Isaiah 6 and Ezekiel 1. These, these, these living beings represent perhaps the angelic order of, of God's kingdom. And we don't know specifically uh, why there are four, but it seems to encompass all of what God created in the animal kingdom and in the human kingdom. And he says here in verse 9 of Revelation 5, and they sang a new song saying, worthy are you to take the book and to break its seals. By the way, a book and a seals, the Romans used seals to sort of lock a book so it couldn't be tampered with. And seals indicated two things. It indicated A, the authority of the person that sent it, their signet ring or their seal would be on it representing its official status. The second purpose for the word seals is that it was an enclosure. It was a device that would lock the document or the scroll so that it could not be tampered with or altered to change the contents. So both authority and authenticity are implied in the term seals. So when you see that, you'll know a seal was an official document. This particular document, this book, perhaps represented essentially the last will and testament of God as it were to Jesus, giving Jesus the title deed to all creation, saying, now I am conferring on you. This is the official document that says all of my creation belongs to Jesus and he presides over it all. So he gives it to, uh, it says, worthy are you to take the book. Only Jesus was worthy to take the book. Only Jesus is worthy to break the seals that liberates all of mankind for you were slain and purchased for God with your blood men that's this is the Lord's redemptive work on the cross his blood purchased with his blood he purchased men from every tribe and tongue and people and nation on planet earth because of Jesus' sacrifice, because of the shedding of his blood, which we're entering into this resurrection season, because of the Lord's great gift of giving his life, he is now the only person eligible, the only perfect individual, the only perfect person that can open the book and look at what God purchased for eternity, and that is the lives of and the salvation of God's people Hallelujah. here on earth. What a Thank scene that's going to be. What an amazing uh, visual this is. And by the way, the reason that a lot of these uh, creatures and, and various uh, terms are used like multiple eyes and multiple uh, wings and multiple hands is because it, it appears to be hyperbole, but it's really how else can you describe, how else can you describe something that has never been seen before what other metaphors what other analogies are available we're describing heaven ladies and gentlemen we're describing eternity we're describing something that no human has ever witnessed so when you say well wow the book of revelation just seems so complex so so difficult because of all of these emblems and symbols and metaphors well the lord is using the best language that's available for us 
to get sort of a glimpse, just a, a, a titillating look at what is in store for us and what heaven must be like. So he uses these amazing illustrations and this sort of sensationalism or might we might consider it somewhat hyperbole to overstate what can't really be stated in typical normal terms. So that's why we get this language. It's, it's poetic, it's prophetic, and it's symbolic because that's the best way for us to wrap our minds around what the Lord is trying to say in this magnificent book of repentance and worship. And that's really what the book of Revelation is about. It's about restoration and glorification. If you want to just boil it down to two words, that's revelation. Restoration. Yes and glorification yes. god restores us from a state of being lost and as a result our response to that is that we glorify him we worship him we praise him yeah. because of his goodness yes the bible says finally i'm wrapping this up here in revelation 5 it says i'm gonna start at verse 9 again and they sang a new song saying worthy are you to take the book and break its seals for you were slain and purchased for God with your blood men from every tribe and tongue and people and, and nation you have made them to be a kingdom I love this a kingdom and priest to our God and they will reign upon the earth who is the day that's being referred to that's us that's you that's you that's you and I that's you. I'm just looking around. That's you, Robin. That's you, Calvin. That's you, Todd. That's you, Darren. That's you, Tim. That's you, Sister Jamie, Sister Anderson, Sister Christian, Sister Lisa, Brother Greg. If I didn't call your name, that's you too. All of us <laughs> are in that list. All of us. All these beautiful pictures on the screen, you're in this list. You made them to be a kingdom and priest to our God, and they will reign upon the earth. Then I looked in verse 11, and I heard the voice of many angels around the throne, and the living creatures, and the elders, and the number of them that was myriads. You know, let, let me just say this. My uncle used to teach this. My uncle Jerome, great teacher, one of the greatest teachers I've ever known. Um, he would advocate this concept that he believes that that God is going to have more. There will be more saved, perhaps even then that will be lost and that there will be an innumerable number of people that will be saved. Amen. Yes. And I love that idea. I love that idea. And you could sort of support it with this verse here, 11 and chapter uh, 5, 11, myriads of myriads and thousands of thousands. Yes. Wow. Yes. Saying with a loud voice, worthy is the lamb that was slain to receive power and riches and wisdom and might and honor and glory and blessing and every everything which is in heaven and on earth and under the earth and on the sea and all things yes, in them. Where, how many more places? Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> the yes. Lord said, everybody, I don't care where you are in the dimension of the universe. I don't care where you are. If you're in a metaverse, if you're in different universes, I don't care where you are. You are included within God's domain. He says, to him who sits on the throne and to the lamb be blessing and glory and honor honor and, 
and dominion forever and ever. And the four living creatures just kept on saying, amen. So be it. So be it. May it be. May it happen. May your will be done. And the elders fell down and worshiped. Hallelujah. May the Lord add a Hallelujah. blessing to the reading of his word. That's Thank Revelation you, chapter 4 and 5. You got it. That's the essence of it. If you understand that, you understand what the Lord was revealing to us through those two chapters about this glorious Glorious, Thank glorious Lord. scene Hallelujah. in heaven. We're worshiping yes. praise Hallelujah. wins the day. We're worshiping praise is ongoing. We're worshiping praise is continuous. We're Hallelujah. worshiping praise is to the Lord God Almighty Hallelujah. and the Lamb that was yes, slain yes, on the cross for our sins to Ooh. redeem Thank us. You, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. I'm going to shut it down right now. I'm going to just shut it down. Here's the Monday morning moment. The Monday morning moment is Maranatha. Maranatha is an Aramaic word, and it just simply means come Lord Jesus, or the Lord is coming, or oh, come Lord. And it just, it just should be our battle cry, saints. It should be our battle cry. Lord, oh, don't you want to be a part of that scene? Don't you want to be invested in what is going on in Revelation 4 and 5? Don't you want to be in that environment? Can you imagine the Shekinah glory of God just emanating through all out the entire domain of heaven and that these praises are going on, this worship is going on, God is filling the place with his glory. Can you, I, I don't even, I, don't, I can't, I can't even wrap my mind around that. We're so enthralled in war and death and destruction and Russia and the Ukraine and social media and racism and politics and social injustice and poverty and death and sickness and pain and diseases and, and pandemics. We're so enthralled in this day-to-day -day grind. Isn't it great just to take a pause? Just to take a pause and say, come, O oh Lord, come, Lord Jesus, come, Lord, we want to be with you. This is not our home. This is not how the story ends. This is not our final resting place. You got something better for us. Lord, we just thank you for your word this morning. We ask that you be glorified as you were, as you are being yes. glorified in Revelation 4 and 5. You, Lord. And Lord, may your people be edified. Thank you for your word. May it not return Thank void. You, in Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. God bless you. Yes, God. God bless you.